to the pod, currently the only podcast designed to exclusively talk about the Sam Houston Bearcats. I'm your host, Corey Hogue, the non-FBS insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at Corey Hogue Sports, all one word. I'm joined by creator and manager of sports of SHSU, again, all one word on Twitter and Instagram, chief operating officer of the Cat Fund and proud Bearcat alum, Ben Sorrells. We are a podcast, Ben, on the Republic of Football Network and an extension of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Can you believe that this has happened to you and I? Man, I'm excited to be here. This is something that I know I have been wanting to be in the works for a while. A lot of Sam Houston fans have wanted to have for quite a while. So I'm super excited to get this going. I'm just really excited about this opportunity. I think the fans are going to love it. Um, And I think it's necessary with us making this FBS move, just expanding that reach. Well, it is. And we are number 11 of the 13 FBS schools to now have a podcast on the Republic of Football Network, which is incredible in itself. And soon there will be all 13. We're recording this episode just for full transparency at towards the end of June. This is the introduction episode. We're going to tell you how we got to the name. We're going to tell we're going to discuss some of the past. We're going to celebrate Sam Houston today. And then we're going to look ahead because the reason why we're on the Republic of Football Network, Ben, we're joining the big boys over here in Sam. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a big step up for us. We're a couple days away, like you said, into June here, a couple steps away or a couple days away from officially joining Conference USA, stepping up with the big boys and making that FBS transition. So it's a really exciting time and it's a really exciting time to get this podcast going. Oh, it, it is. It is. So here's how we're going to form it. And, and as we go through this, I think maybe uh, the, the listeners may understand a little bit of why instead of segments, we have what I'm calling legs. We'll have the we'll have three different legs of each of each podcast, and that's where we'll discuss three different things. Normally, we would be discussing Bearcats, what's happened, Bearcat, you know, athletics coming up. We're we're not just football. We are going to talk plenty of Bearcat football, no doubt about that. But we're also going to cover all the other sports, and this is going to be more of a year round or close to year round. I'm sure we will take a vacation at some point, but this will be. Once once we get going here towards the end of July, I believe after media day, we're going to we're going to come back and then we're going to start hitting it every week and, and we'll be releasing episodes weekly. And and I'm, I'm really excited about that because there's going to be a lot to talk about this year with with all the different teams. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, there is a lot to talk about. The FBS move one, obviously the football team first year in the FBS, really exciting. But there's a lot going on around campus. I mean, not just football. I mean, every sport's moving up to Conference USA. So what does that transition look like? Basketball's got a new head coach. There's a lot of facilities, um, updates and news that are going to be coming out here soon um, as we could transition into Conference USA. So um, a lot going on, not just football. I'm excited to talk about all of it. I cover all of it on social media. So excited to talk to talk about it here in podcast form as well and i i am too i was i jumped at this idea at this chance this was like i covered sam houston uh since i started with dave campbell's almost six years ago now and so when you cover these teams you i i can tell you i am truly a fan of 35 teams in the state of texas Soon to be 30, soon to be a 36 because UTRGV is coming in. Then you're going to get Shriner. But I, I'm a fan of every single team. And 
I, you know, Sam Houston brought me something special and we're going to talk about that later on, but they brought a national championship that I got to cover. You do that. You get a special place in this man's heart, you know? So all you teams, Mine too. <laughs> that's right. All, all you other schools, you want to, you want a spot, you want a podcast, you want a spot, special place in my heart, win a title. It's all you got to do. It's that easy, right? Yeah, I know. I mean, oh, yeah, I don't know how easy it is. I mean, we got one in 1964 and then um, NAIA, and then it took, what, another 40, 50 years for us to get another one in 2020. But yeah, I'm excited. I don't know how you do it covering that many teams because I know covering just one team um, as closely as I do is enough work for me. So um, 30 plus teams, man, I uh, that's crazy. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I look, it's a labor of love. I mean, it's if I wasn't doing this for a job, I would be doing the same thing. Like everything I do for my work is what my day was anyway. If I was working somewhere, I worked as a pharmacy take for a little while. I would be looking through Twitter at sports stuff. It's just, it's the, who, who I am. And so might as well make it a job and get paid for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you got the shot, go ahead and do it. (laughs) That's right. Take it. Oh, Goodness, something fell. We can see if we can edit that out right there. Okay, we're going to go back here in three, two, one. Okay, so today we're going to start talking about the different legs, and we're going to tell you first off how we came up with the name March to the Pod. It's really this, this name had many different variations throughout when we were going through this. Uh, but what we, what we finished with and, and the, how we got there and how intertwined it is with Sam Houston history, Ben, is something that I am, I, I'm just really, really happy with how it all came together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a really good uh, way to remember kind of the past and some of the things we've done in the past and also celebrate the future here with the new podcast. So I think it's a really great name. I know we're going to get into it a little bit more here in a second, but really celebrating the history of Sam Houston and also looking forward to this next chapter. So something really exciting. And I, I really like what we've come up with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's great. And by the way, shout out to Ishmael Johnson on the logo that he came up with that he created for us. If uh, you want to see that, go go to our Twitter. Give us a, a follow on there, too. And, uh, you, you know, you'll catch everything that comes out. It's uh, at March to the pod on Twitter. All one word. Go there. You will see the, the logo we have and, and what Ish did, what Ishmael did with that is just it is really, really nice. I, I'm really happy with the finished product on that as well. Yeah, me too. It it looks great. I mean, everything looks great. March to the pod on Twitter. Uh, two, the number two. The number two, uh, yes. Yeah, number two, March to the pod. Give us a follow on there. That's right. So why is it March with the number two? And that's the question, Ben. That's why we're going to answer that today. And if you're a Sam Houston State alum or you're in Huntsville, this is no surprise to you. You can already tell us what this is. But we do have listeners uh, from the other other schools, other teams, and people that are just interested to hear what's going on. So this this podcast is the introduction. We're going to tell you why we've come up with this name. And it deals with the oldest tradition in Sam Houston State University. March to the Grave dates all the way back to 1893, celebrates the life and birthday of General Sam Houston and its Texas Independence Day as well. So, Ben, tell me what happens in 
kind of what it's like on March 2nd there. Yeah, I mean, it's something that everybody's kind of anticipating. You know it's coming up. Even as a student that you might not be very in- engaged, you're like, oh, yeah, it's March 2nd, March to the grave. Um, so it's something everybody kind of knows about. And you start at campus. Um, I think you start kind of behind the Austin house or somewhere around um, that area of campus and everybody gathers and you march down, you start at campus and you go all the way down um, 11th street, uh, down university Avenue um, there in Huntsville, all the way to Sam Houston's grave. I think it's about a mile. Um, You go to 11th street and then I think you take a right um, there and then you're at the grave site. Um, But yeah, that's kind of where it came from. Like you said, started in 1893, a celebration of Sam Houston, the namesake of the university. Um, It's just a way to remember him. Um, um, it's really cool too. And I know it, a lot of people partake in it also. It's a pretty big march. Um, it's a pretty big thing in the city, big thing for the university, but born on March 2nd. And so that's kind of how it came to be. Uh, march to the grave. Everybody marches on March 2nd to Sam Houston's grave. And then when you get there, there's speakers, some dignitaries. What happens after everyone marches to the grave? Yeah, so I've never actually been to one. I've seen them march plenty of times when I was there as a student a couple of years ago, um, and now I've graduated. So I've seen it a couple of times. But like you said, I've never actually been to the post kind of march area where they get to the cemetery. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's some speakers there, a little bit of celebration, talking about the life of Sam Houston. So it's a really cool thing to remember him um, and just kind of where the university came from. Yeah, it is. And that's awesome. And because of Sam Houston, we have the March two with the number two. And that is the first part of the podcast name. But the next part is the part that I am most happy with because we found a way to include tripod into the name of this podcast. Uh, Ben tripod was a dog and we know that dog is, every dog is a man's best friend but tripod just i i don't i he died before i was born but that's unfortunate man when i read about this dog it, he must have been something he was the unofficial mascot of sam houston for years yeah yeah it was from the 40s to the 60s i can't remember the exact year between those two decades but lived a long time was beloved i heard he showed up at a ton of different events um was the unofficial school mascot and funny enough when we were kind of kicking names back and forth you said march to the pod and i'm like that sounds really cool and i'm like (laughs) i wonder if he knows about tripod and you were like yeah of course i know about tripod so um it was pretty cool that we incorporated that in and as soon as you said it it clicked for me and so i think that's really gonna click for a lot of sam houston people people. Um, and it's something you hear about all the time. If you're a student, I mean, everybody hears about tripod. I mean, he's buried on campus. Um, so you'll see that. Uh, so it's a really cool, um, way to reflect on Sam Houston and honor him and then honor tripod as well. So when you put them two together, it's a really cool name. Um, and I think we really, really did a good job. Oh, I think it's a home run. I really do. I I think it is. And, and, and credit to the other editorial team, the rest of the editorial team at Dave Campbell's Texas football, because I, we had a few other names kind of going around that, just kind of dancing around. And and then I think it was Mike Craven mentioned one, and it just clicked with us. And we were like, there we go. Uh, it, so yep. that's, that's really good. And for those who aren't familiar with Tripod, I, I'll give you a little bit of history on him. Uh, he, he died January 9, 1962. He was... He got there. They believe somewhat. Some say 1941. Some say 1948. Yeah. Kind of weird how that how that goes there. He was a mixed breed. He was described as a mustard colored mutt. Yep. 
that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely awesome. I'm sure we'll get into the three leg part um, here soon. But man, just so much cool stuff about tripod. And uh, I don't know, it's just really unique. I mean, you don't really hear about stuff like that anywhere else. I mean, you have your school mascot, but you don't have a three legged dog running around everywhere showing up to football games uh, or pep rallies or events, whatever it might be. So it, it's just really cool that we're able to re- reflect on tripod and kind of what he was. Yeah, the student body adopted him and they, they're the ones that gave him the name. Of tripod and no one knows how he injured his front leg. His front left leg was injured. He had veterinary care. He was never able to put any weight on that leg. He, but he also had no owner and no permanent home. He lived all over the place, dorm rooms, apartments. This dog lived up the life, Ben. He just got to sleep wherever he felt like. I know. And I wonder, I know A&M has the thing where if Reveille barks in a class, everybody goes home. I wonder if Tripod ever showed up to some classes or somebody just picked him up, took him to class, what it might've been like. Um, But yeah, it's just a really cool story. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that went to school then that were around them that have some cool stories. So just a really cool dog. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is. And so when, once he died, they buried him on the hill in front of old Maine um, and had a little ceremony, a big ceremony. I say little ceremony. They had a big ceremony. How much, I mean, you want to know how much an animal actually means to a university. If when they die, you get a three gun salute, a speech from the current university president, and the band is in attendance while hundreds of students attend the last rites and two pages uh, in the uh, 1962. Is it Al Caldi? Al How's that? A-L-C-A-L-D-E. I'm not sure what that that one was, but two total pages in that were dedicated to the services for Tripod. It's unbelievable. I mean, (laughs) I'll pay someone some money if they can find a dog that has the accolades that he does. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty incredible what what he was able to do. (laughs) It's just a little dog running around the university. It's it's a great story because it's, you know, it's. Well, this is the little podcast right now that could, and Tripod is the little dog that could as well. And he did. He, he did, and, and he lived the life he was loved. You could, there's a picture of him on Sam Houston's uh, website uh, and on the school website, and it's just the sweetest looking dog. Yeah. It just you could tell that thing was a spoiled one, and that's a good. That's that's always fun. And uh, I'll have to try to find it here, but I know Dan Rather, um, one of the famous Sam Houston alums, maybe the most famous Sam Houston alum, gave him a nickname. Here it is, the three-legged Don Juan of College Hill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what he was uh, called by uh, Dan Rather. So quite the legend. Yeah, uh, you know, if you're called the three-legged Don Juan, you've you're living a good life. Yeah. Absolutely. He did it right. (laughs) He did. He did. That's awesome. So that's how we got to the name. And that's how we got to March, the number two, the pod. Again, all of that together, you can find us on Twitter. And eventually we will uh, likely get out to some other places here as well. All right. Second leg, Ben, we're going to go ahead and move on into that. We're going to celebrate the past. Sam Houston, we're getting ready to, to go up to FBS. We're, we're about to jump in with the big boys. But in the meantime, we cannot forget about what has happened since Sam Houston joined Division One. It has been a journey, and it's been one with a, some downs, 
but a whole lot of ups and, uh, and highlighted by that 2021 national championship football team. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm struggling. I don't know if there's any university out there within a 40, 40, 45 year period, something around there. NAIA division two division one FCS up to FBS within uh, from the 1980s, uh, 1970s, 1980s up until now. So it's just really incredible to kind of see how far not only the athletic program has come, but also the university. Um, I, I know even when the team first made the FCS national championships back in the early 2010s, I mean, the university enrollment was something like 12, 13,000, and now it's 22, 23,000 and projected to grow to 30,000 in 10 years. So um just crazy how far they've come. That's for sure. Um, from NAIA all the way up to FBS football now. Yeah, they and they they stopped at every level along the way, just about except Division Three. They went from NAIA to D two to D one, and now they are playing with the football bowl subdivision, and they will have a chance with six wins in not this year. Unfortunately, maybe, maybe there's still a chance. We're holding out hope. We'll see. We're holding out hope. But right now they would not be able to. But next year, for sure, with six wins, could be playing in a bowl game. And, you know, we talk about why that matters. It matters because all the money made from bowl games go directly to these schools, the conferences. It helps divvy up that money amongst the other teams. They've got all these agreements in place. That money is strictly goes to that conference to get distributed. And that's money you don't get at FCS. Yeah, absolutely. At the football level for bowls and also at the basketball level. I mean, we saw what FAU did for Conference USA in their run to the final four. Um, They're leaving Conference USA, but Conference USA gets that money and is distributing it to each of its members. So um, really a really awesome opportunity through bowl games, NCAA basketball, television revenue, um, big national platform now that you can be on to to make more revenue, make more money than you ever have. And you said, why is making a bowl important? to make a bowl, you got to win. And that's something Sam Houston football, especially has done really well for almost two really forever. I mean, it's been a successful program and that's what you want to do. You want to win. You want to be in a bowl game. You want to win a bowl game. And um, I think fans expect that. I think coaches and players expect that. And um, I think that's what we're looking forward to is a lot more winning, even though we're moving up. My, my familiarity with Sam Houston started when they were being televised on ESPN two in the playoffs. Now, some of those games didn't go very well and I didn't watch very long of some of these. And if you're, if you're we a fan, you out want, the window. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to talk too much about those, but one of the things we're going to do on this podcast, we're, we're not going to just sugarcoat athletics. We're, we're going to tell you the truth and, and the truth Ben, sometimes when we're talking about the past is really good. And then when you're talking about the present, the truth can sometimes not be so good. Uh, and, but we're going to get into those and and hopefully have some way that, that we get everyone on the same page and good moving forward. Because for the athletics department to be able to take what they've done in the past and move this into the future, they're going to have to be together. Yeah, absolutely. Have to be together. University and athletics have to have alignment, which I know is something they're working on right now. And like you said, we're going to be honest. I think that's what the fans want. Um, I don't think we can just sugarcoat everything. I don't think people are really going to enjoy that. So an honest evaluation of whatever team 
it might be the university, um, athletics, whatever it is. I think we're going to give an honest evaluation, um, celebrate really hard when things go well. We'll give our criticisms if we need to. But um, yeah, just give an honest evaluation. I think that's what the people want. And that's like, I think that's what we're supposed to do. And I'll let you know, it's not personal. We, we want everyone who listens to know none of this will ever be personal because I, I have I, I am very big on I don't I'm not going to it's not an attack on a coach, but if you're not winning, I'm pointing out the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're doing great, I'm going to applaud you all day long. I'm also not going to call out individual athletes. You're not. I Look, we're, we're talking college athletics, right? Like, yeah. at, at some point, these you, we've got to understand they're not professionals. And I don't think we need to treat them like we do uh, some in the professional ranks. But we will tell the truth. And if there are issues that arise, whether it be discipline, team cohesion, things like that, they're going to be discussed. Yeah, absolutely. And as they should, I mean, we're the podcast talking about all things, Sam Houston, Sam Houston athletics. And so whatever it is, we got to bring up, we'll bring it up. We'll talk about it, give our honest opinion about it and move on from there. But like you said, um, yeah, not going to call out any athletes, no point on that. But um, like you said, coaches, if their stuff isn't stuff isn't going right, I mean, we'll shoot it how it is. That's what it is. Yeah. And again, it's not going to be personal, although I can understand if you're not happy about it sometimes. Right. <laughs> We, yeah, you know we don't we we don't want you happy about what we say because then you're not going to want to change anything. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit of tough love, and I and I love every single coach and player I've had the opportunity to come across during my time doing what I do with Cat Fund Sports of SHSU. I mean, I've been I don't know just tremendously gifted with opportunities to meet players, meet coaches, have access to stuff that I never would have imagined, and I'm forever grateful for, for that kind of stuff um, for sure. So I, no matter what I say, I love every single person at the university. It's my alma mater. I love these teams to death um, and I'm going to cheer them on no matter what. It's, it's funny. Cause I, my family travels with me a lot as we travel around during season and, and everything. So I have a, my seven-year-old son and my wife will be uh, moving along with me quite often. And oftentimes during our travels, we go to different stadiums, different football thing. And, and I'm always interested to hear her feedback at the end of a game. And uh, I'm with you, man. When we have been to Sam Houston and it is a wonderful place, the people are great. This town was outstanding. I have had, I have nothing but love for all of Sam Houston. They are tremendous. And I'm really excited that we get to highlight these. See, I know we talked about the criticism, but let I want to focus on also highlighting what's coming in good. And when we talk about celebrating the past, we talked football. National title is going to win out every time. But that baseball program, mm-hmm. the past hasn't been too bad here. Yeah, I mean, I know there was a six-year gap from 23 to 17, but I mean, regional almost every year in the 2010s, making a super regional in 17, getting back there this year, um, constantly beating, I wouldn't say constantly, but consistently beating Power 5 programs year in and year out. That's baseball. Basketball's had a really impressive run these past couple years, won an NIT game, which was really fun to be a part of and be around. Um, Bowling has won a national championship in the past decade. Um, Softball. Um, won a regional game against Texas, um, golf, men's golf made it to the national championship, women's golf, 
has won the WAC in Southland multiple times the last couple of years. So there's a lot of teams to celebrate and the people in Huntsville are great. I was having a conversation with a guy today that said uh, our facilities in the town of Huntsville might not win everybody over, but the relationships and the culture and the people of Sam Houston will win people over. So that's what it's really all about. Oh, definitely. And look, I think there's a lot of teams in the WAC and just like there was when you when you moved from Southland to WAC a few years ago, there's a lot of teams in the WAC that are not upset that you that you're leaving, because now they'll have a chance to actually win some of those conference titles. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, golf. I mean, golf has just been a wagon in the WAC the two years we were there. I mean, I know football. We didn't have a a great year last year record wise, but I know those teams are probably gra- glad we're out of there. Baseball. I'm, I know they're glad we're out the WAC in baseball and basketball especially on the men's side, uh, we've made some damage the past couple of years. So yeah, I, I think they're glad we're out too. <laughs> and we will be, especially if you, you know anything about us, we're getting into July that that excitement is starting to build towards the football season. Uh, subscribers are receiving magazines, um, which I'm hearing about. And they, thank you so much for reading those things. <laughs> Thank you for reading the magazine. Definitely. They'll be out on newsstands uh, sometime after the July 4th holiday is what we're being told within a week or two after the July 4th holiday. They sh- the magazine should be hitting stands. Uh, you know, Ben, when we talk football and we talk last year, because I think right now when we talk about the past, to tie this into our third leg where we're going to be going next with the future. We're going to have to discuss a little bit about where the football team is going. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I think a lot of the fan base, I'm pretty sure most of the fan base understands the strategy that was used last year by the coaching staff Yep. that he, coach Keeler tried his best to red shirt as many guys that wanted to stay as possible. And a lot of them bought into this. He didn't just do it. They though the players had to buy into this strategy as well. And I believe it, and he red shirted a lot, give them an extra year knowing they might not get a chance this year to bowl game, but they would next year, give them that, that year chance to get there. I, I don't think, I think his plan Last year took some bumps, especially against some teams and played some players that maybe weren't quite ready up there. But, you know, that's only going to help. Now you get back these people that these guys that redshirted last year. You've got that experience group. And Ben, I don't think the transfer portal has been too hard on the on the Bearcats. Yeah, and I'll, I'll start there with the transfer portal. The culture has really kept guys there. Um, a lot of guys could have bounced as soon as the season started. Yeah, I'll, I'll play my couple games um, and then I'll hit the portal so I can get in there early, see, see what's out there. Uh, but these guys stuck it out. And I think that's a real testament to the culture um, and the values that have been instilled by Keeler and his staff there. Um, and then going back to last year, obviously redshirting 15 to 20 guys was a huge loss. Um, some of them played the first couple games, but even that was hit or miss. Some would play this game. Some would play that game. Um, never, Nobody was really ever on the same page. Um, I know there was some dysfunction at the offensive coordinator position, which also caused some more issues. Um, losing Eric Schmidt 
was a big thing going into last year. So there was just a ton of change. And then the team was also hit really hard by injuries, um, especially on the front seven unit, especially the linebacking unit. Um, and in the secondary also at the end of the year, I know I think there were only one or two scholarship guys on the back end available for the last two games. Um, so this team was just completely depleted last year between redshirting, injuries, a couple of guys that did hit the portal. Um, but the guys that redshirted, they stayed. They came back, and I think that's a testament to the culture, and I think this team's got a real shot to win some games in their first year as an FBS team. Well, and that will end our second leg, Ben. And you have sent us straight into the third leg of this podcast and the final leg, and <laughs> – we're with the big boys. So what does the future look like for Sam Houston athletics? And let's start with football and this season in particular, you know, start with this season, then kind of an overall in general, what you think FBS will mean uh, for the team. Will those, will that strategy of red shirting and playing those, will that pay off this year? Or are we looking at maybe a, another really tough year with Vegas predicting win totals of around three and a half to four. Yeah, personally, I mean, I've had the chance to be around the team um, between spring practices, um, mingling with some of the players. I think there's a really good vibe. I think they have a real good shot to win some games this year, and I think they can surprise some people. Um, I think when people look and really look at the people that they redshirted, your Markel Perrys, your Trevor Williams, your Ife Adeis, guys like Ethan Hagler on the offensive line. I mean, these are the core pieces of the guys that won you a national championship a couple of years ago. And these guys have just gotten older, gotten better. And so I think when you add that, you add in some really good FBS transfers, some good JUCO transfers. They've recruited really well the past couple of years for um, a group of five team that's moving up. Um, I think they've got a shot this year to win five or six games, and I don't see why they can't. Um, I was talking to a member of the staff who was on a staff, another G5 staff, that made a bowl game a couple of years ago. And so he's seen what a team at the G5 level needs to look like to get to a bowl game. And he thinks his team can do it if they needed to this year or if they could this year. Um, and so I think they've got a real shot to surprise some people um, and make some noise. Uh, obviously, the out-of-conference schedule this year is very tough. One of the toughest you're going to find at the G5 level. I mean, you're playing at BYU, at Houston, um, Air Force in Houston, all three really good teams and two of them on the road. So um, it's going to be interesting. I'm sure they're going to take their bumps along the way, but I think they've got a shot to make some noise this year and going forward. It's going to be tough to kind of project things out um, at this time. I, I think we need to see probably a couple classes come through or three or four uh, kind of transfer classes come through and have them build up to kind of see what this program can be and what the potential is going to be going forward. Um, but this year, I think they've got a shot and we'll see how things play out over the next couple of years. Yeah, uh, you know, Vegas put it at four. And when I looked, I said, yep, I, I can see four wins. I don't know that I see a fifth. <laughs> and I, I'll tell you, Ben, the thing is, and this is something that, you know, covering a lot of teams that have transitioned recently, but it is a, the transition's not been from FCS to FBS. So I'm really interested to see how this transition plays out uh, for Sam, because what I've noticed in the D2s that have transitioned up to FCS, the depth is, is of the jump. And that's one of the things I'm really worried about. I know they've been trying to build the scholarships. I'm sure they're probably close to the full 85, mm -hmm. but most of the ones you bring in are not likely 
your starters a lot of times, or they're going to be freshmen. They're going to be guys that's going to need some experience. And so that depth could be three to four years away. And that's why I think this year has a chance to be four wins. Five could be questionable because you're going to get beat up when you're playing Houston and Air Force and BYU. That's, it's going to be brutal. Yeah, and I, I was literally about to bring up the thing that this season is going to hinge on is how well does that starting unit hold up? Um, because the depth, I, I think the starting 11 on both sides is can compete with almost anyone in Conference USA. I know Liberty and Western Kentucky might be some outliers. I know they're kind of at the top of the conference or projected to be at the top. And um, rightfully so. I mean, they've, they've won a lot of games in the past at this level. So I think the starters can compete at this level really well. Now, what is the too deep going to look like? Um, and that's what it's really going to come down to. And we kind of saw it last year with James Madison. I mean, they started off, what, seven or eight and no. And then it's a great year. They kind of fizzled out at the end. And I think that's just the depth part of it. So uh, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. And another thing to take into account is the bye week for Sam Houston is week three. Um, so you have a week three bye, and then you have, I don't know, what is that, 10 games in a row? So how does the depth hold up? I think that's what the season's, a lot of it's going to hinge on. I think quarterback play, which I'm sure we'll get into is one, but also the depth is another. Yeah, uh, we will. We will in a, in future episodes when we come back in July, late in later July, mid to late July, uh, it's going to be a football focused podcast at that point uh, for the for the foreseeable future, especially during the offseason till we get some things going and, and some other things because we know we got soccer coming up. Uh, starting and moving to Conference USA, there's there's a lot more to that. But we will we will really dive into football, dive into the schedule, uh, dive into all that stuff because man, we could go on forever right now already about how hard this schedule is and, and what it's going to take to try to manage it. And it, it's not going to be easy. But hey, if they the first thing is you got to believe. And it sounds like they believe that they can. And that that's the first step. Yeah. A little bit of Ted Lasso right there. Right. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, but our coach Chris Mudge, every time we got a commit coming in the day before they commit, we, he throws up the Ted Lasso gif with the believe <laughs> yeah. or, or one of those or something similar to that with Ted Lasso. But yeah, I think these guys believe and a lot of them are holdovers or not holdovers, but guys that have been there for multiple years and they're used to winning when they go out there and play, they're used to winning. They want to win. They know how to win. Um, and so the belief is there. I mean, and so we'll see how it translates to the field in the fall. Yeah. And, and so now big picture athletics department as a whole, there are some big things happening, Ben. There there are some very positive things happening. Uh, we have some renovations going on, uh, some much needed renovations going on to the football field. What do you see big picture athletics for facilities? What else needs to be upgraded, updated to compete at the Conference USA level? Yeah, so I mean, I'll just run through some of the renovations that are working right now or in the work, some stuff that I know I'd like to see be done here in the future. So first is the visiting locker room. Um, construction on that just recently began. That's got to be up to FBS standards and Conference USA standards. So that's one. And that's going to be a huge improvement um, from what there was before. So that's one. And then I saw the old locker room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll keep moving on. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep moving. I think the next, and then obviously the really big one 
Uh, well, before I get to that, is the fan pavilions that we've seen the renderings of that are supposed to be done by the fall this year. I know construction on them still haven't started. I was by the stadium this weekend. Um, they still haven't started construction on those, so we'll see. They're supposed to be done by the first home game fan pavilions on the four corners of the stadium. So we'll see with that. I know there, I know it's in the plans, but that's going to be a real big one to enhance um, fan engagement at games, get more fans in the doors. Um, then the big one is the press box. And Bobby Williams said a month or two ago on a podcast that they're going to have to completely tear it down um, based on what they see now and just build it back up. And that's going to take a year or two. So um, what's that going to mean for football? Are they going to be able to play at Bowers for whatever year that is? Um, They've got $40 million earmarked for it in bonds that they recently got. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but that's the big one. What happens with the press box? How do you expand seating? Um, make sure you can get the right cameras in there. Make it suitable for TV. Um, so that's football. And then obviously, um, I know softball is supposed to get some new turf soon. So we'll see what that looks like. Football is supposed to get new turf. In about a year, turf's about ten years old, if I believe that's I believe that's correct. Um, and then, lastly, I think practice facilities, basketball and football. What does that look like long term? The uh, most recent ten-year plan came out. There's a practice facility for football in it. There's not one for basketball, um, but there was also a football facility in the last ten-year plan. And it never came up. So, does that go in? Does basketball get one eventually? So, that's kind of where all the projects are. Some things that need to get done. Um, going forward. So it's going to be really interesting to kind of see how it how it pans out over the next year or two, but also over this kind of next decade as the school just continues to transition to the FBS level. And so now, Ben, let's talk about what we need to make all these projects come to fruition and even get that basketball practice facility along with the football practice facility. It takes money. Yep. And the thing is, when you've got these plans to build, you need money. And that means you need buy-in from the donors. You need buy-in from the students. You need buy-in from the town. To make this a successful FBS school, you need buy-in from everyone. And now, not everyone can donate money. So... Think of all the different ways if you how can people support the school, whether you for those that have money and then those that don't. Yeah. I, and like you said, I think it's going to take a collective effort from everybody, whether you're the top booster or just a freshman student, whoever it might be. I think it takes everybody. Um, and I think people have to show up. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to is are people going to show up? And if you want this program to move forward, you've got to show up, whether show up being being at every game, if you're a student or you live close to Huntsville, um, if you're a donor, making sure you're doing what you're supposed to as far as being a donor. Um, if you're huge on, if you like social media, put stuff out on social media. I think people just need to step up and show up whatever way that looks, because I know a lot of people have opinions of what's going on, but they won't show up to games. Um, they won't give money. Not that everybody has to give money, but um, I think people just need to show up. I think things have kind of just slowly trickled down. I know attendance in the early 2010s for a lot of sports was just incredible. It was really good selling out football games. The Coliseum was packed for a lot of games. And so, and and now, I mean, football, seven or 8,000, basketball, 1,500 to 2,000. Um, it's not what it was back then. So I think people need to show up, whether they like the move or not. If they want to support this team and they want to see this university move forward, they just have to show 
up. Whatever that means for them, you got to show up and do your part. Um, not one person can do this, but we just all got to pitch in. Yes, it is a collective effort. But what changed from 11 and 12, 10, 11, 12 to now to, you know, what, what in your opinion has been some of the causes behind the, the lack of attendance? Because uh, look, I, I, I want to give I want to give you a chance to answer this, but I also got to say, man, Bearcats fans, you're you want to not be seen as minor league. Show them you're not minor league. Get to the game, support your teams. When teams come in and they don't see a stadium full, they're not afraid of your football team. They're not afraid of your basketball team. So you're gonna have to get there. But uh, so. You know, I, I can't even remember exactly where I'm going with this, Ben, but I, I'm just there's so many parts to this. I want to see that buy in. And and again, back to my original question, what was it that changed in 10, 11 and 12? Yeah, there's a, I got to the university in 17. So I've been there six ish years now. So I've been there for about half of it. I think part of it, there was a huge growth in the school over the past 10 to 12 years, and it's become a huge commuter school. So I think a lot of students, they show up for their class Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday, they go home and that's kind of become the norm on the student side, um, unfortunately. So, and it's always been a commuter school, but I think it's really grown into a commuter school between Houston, the Woodlands, College station, Madisonville, whatever it might be. So I think that's been part of it. And then I know since I've been there the past five, six years, um, it's just been a lack of fan engagement from a media perspective. I know it's hard sometimes for fans to get information. There's not a ton of events going on. Um, so I don't know. There needs to be a bigger media presence, bigger marketing push, ways to reach fans. I think some fans do want to show up, but they don't know how. They don't know what to do um, because they just aren't reached. And so how can we get these students more involved? I think these weeknight games might be able to help with football. And then also, how can we market these teams in a way that, that we really haven't marketed them all in the past? Um, so it's going to be really interesting to kind of see with this FBS move, how the university takes a step up to try to reach the students and also reach its fans. And when you talk about a commuter school, there, there's a few of those I cover uh, in the non-FBS level. That to be an FBS commuter school, you want that you're going to have to give the the students a reason to stay. You're going to have to give some of the fans from around that can't commute in a reason to come in. I, I'm not sure, you know, that's a, a marketing point. That, that's what the marketing department, I'm sure. But that's the other thing. I mean, we talk about money. It's not just money for the facilities, Ben. It's it's money for all the infrastructure, for the new. You, you're going to need more, more positions. You're going to have a, an expanded athletic department as people you don't see, but make everything run from your communications department on through. But to do that, to be able to get to that level, it's going to take a big part, a, a lot of money and just a big buy-in from the donors. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it takes a lot of a lot of people to make something really good happen. Um, I mean, for every game, I, I want to see an article up on a website about the game, a recap. Um, if we're playing a good, like every basketball game, baseball game, whatever it might be, let's have a preview article beforehand. Let's get fans excited about this game, whatever it might be. And that takes people. Let's have a big marketing push. Let's have a, a pep rally, a concert at a tailgate, whatever it might be. It takes people to put that stuff together. Um, so are we going to put the resources in to be able to make that happen? 
we'll see what happens. I know over the past couple of years, we haven't seen a really big push to make stuff like that go on. But um, I don't know. It's yet to be seen. Are we going to be able to get that manpower to get this kind of stuff done or not? Um, and I think a lot of our success could hinge on it um, because like you said, it all goes back to money and money is tied to how many people you put in seats, how many people are watching games, how much you're winning. So um, yeah, we, we got to put that together. Well, it looks like we have solved nothing about the future of Sam Houston <laughs> athletics. It's all That's above my air. pay grade. <laughs> so, well, you know what? We may not have all the solutions, which I know I do not for sure. We may not know all the little intricacies of, of everything that goes on there, but we do know that we'll be here and we will be here quite often to highlight the good and the bad of, of Sam Houston athletics. And I think this podcast is something that the people need. And if you're listening to it, give us feedback. What do you want to hear? What do you want from us? Cause this is for you. This is your podcast. We're not just recording it to hear ourselves speak. So we want to hear from you. Definitely get onto us at Twitter with at March with the number two, the pod all one word on Twitter. Find us, follow us. We'll be releasing them out. Um, ben, I, I just, I think we solved absolutely nothing today. We, we did talk about the great past, but we didn't solve anything about the future. Uh, thankfully, that's not our job. I think our job <laughs> is just to talk about if it does get figured out and what these teams do. So I'm excited about it. We'll see if we get it figured out. And it's going to be a fun time here going forward. When we will definitely be here to talk about it the entire way. Ben, thank you so much. I really appreciate you getting on this podcast, doing the podcast with us. And I'm really looking forward to this continuing. Yeah, absolutely. Start of something special. Let's it, march it really to the pod. <laughs> March to the pod. I love, I, I can't tell you how much I actually love that name. And that's rare for me. I don't love much of anything that I come up with create or not, not me, but as a group come up with create creatively, if it involves me, I'm usually like, eh, somebody else has got better ideas. This one, man, I think, I think we hit a, hit one that I'm pretty proud of. Yep. We hit a home run. That's for sure. We saw our baseball team hit a lot of them. Hopefully they hit some more <laughs> this next season, but I think we hit one here too. They didn't quite hit enough in the super regional though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true, but they yeah, lost we'll talk LSU, about that some right? other time. <laughs> it was What's LSU. Uh, we were at LSU, but we didn't that's play right. LSU. We lost to Oregon state twice there. That's we got, right. we got the break speed off us in the first game and then pitchers duel, which we didn't see many of those, but same Houston this year lost three to one in the final game. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of offense, not a lot of pitching, but um, yeah. Hey, they got to, to see game. the national champion though, right? <laughs> they did. They, they played them in <laughs> kind of a tangent, but yeah, we, uh, we played them in round rock earlier in the year. We beat, uh, I think it was a ranked Kansas state team, one of the top big 10 teams in Iowa, and then got to play LSU. So that was a fun week. See, we will talk about all this as it happens now. It will no longer be a look at the past. It'll be a look at the present. And uh, that is what I'm really looking forward to here, Ben. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to you, the listener. Without you, none of this is possible. And until next time, eat them up, cats. Eat them up, cats.